Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, presented by Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Sam Farber. Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your Hornets podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us here once again on the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. We took a day off yesterday, get ourselves re-acclimated and ready for home preseason action. It is finally here. Hornets will host the Oklahoma City Thunder this afternoon, this evening time, not quite a 7 o'clock start, 5 p.m. If you'd like to join us, we'd love to have you over at Spectrum Center if you're within shouting distance. We'll get you ready for that one with our game preview. Also, we want to give our preseason midway grades, our midterm, if you will, how have the Hornets looked. I know the record is 0-2, but how have they really looked over the course of those first two preseason contests? And we're going to introduce you to a new member of the Bally Sports family broadcasting Hornets games each and every time out there on the hardwood and he is our special guest here for this edition of the HHC his maiden voyage here as well we'd like to welcome Terrence Oglesby for the first time to the Hornets Hivecast Terrence thanks for joining us hey well thank you so much for having me I can't uh, explain to you how excited I am to be a part of the Valley coverage I I know it's got to be one of the best uh, regional sports teams covered as far as Eric Collins and Del Curry and Ashley, all three do a terrific job. I'm very fortunate to be a part of it. Uh, at 35 years old and recently retired, it's kind of a it's a change of pace to do some NBA stuff. But golly, I, I'm just uh, thrilled to be a part. Charlotte's such an exciting team with a lot to look forward to this upcoming season. Well, we're thrilled to have you here as well, and we're going to let you allow the fans to get to know you a little bit better a little later on here in the show. But we're going to jump right into to Hornets basketball to lead things off. There have been two preseason games. Charlotte's lost them both, but both went kind of in the same direction. The starters really dominated their minutes. The second unit played better in the second game than the first, but really solid play throughout. And then the end of the bench gave up a rather large lead in the closing five minutes of each contest. So we're going to do our midway grades here of preseason. Before I give you a specific group, what are your overarching thoughts on the way the Hornets have played through two preseason games? Well, I think it's exactly that. The first game, it was just noticeable, the drop-off with the starters. However, in game two, uh, the big thing for me is moving Brandon Miller into that starting lineup. And why is that significant to me? Well, I, I really feel as if Brandon's going to be a better player when he plays with better players. And that's not taking away from the bench. He's just now playing alongside LaMelo and some of these guys who have been around for a little while. So it allows him to take advantage of what his strengths are at this point in his career. And what are those? Knocking down shots from the perimeter, using his athleticism, and really being a ball mover when necessary. He's going to be better throughout the season when he's playing with better players on the floor. And I think that's something to keep an eye on. Gordon Hayward didn't play, and we all know how good Gordon is. But how is the coaching staff going to be able to handle some of these things? Who's going to come off the bench in order to bring a spark? Because we see some of the strengths, we see some of the weaknesses. you got to have some juice coming off the bench if you're going to survive an 82-game season. The rotations are going to be key this year for Coach Clifford and staff. 
Yeah, I like everything you had to say there, and I think there there are two thoughts that come to mind. One, it's a testament to how good of a player Brandon Miller is already, that he can fit seamlessly into the role that was held by a 12-, 13-year NBA veteran who's been an all-star and has been the leading scorer on several teams for several years, that he could jump in there and they don't miss a beat. If anything, they look a little bit better in Game 2. Granted, different opponent. They were playing the Washington Wizards, not the defending Eastern Conference champions, but still, Brandon Miller looked really good out there the other and this is the first question i had on my list for our preseason midway grades was i think it's indicative of the strength of the starting group you can't rely as you said on five guys to play 48 minutes for 82 games it's it's not possible it's not going to happen but you hope that barring injuries or ailments you can just kind of mix and match a piece or two at a time in your rotations so that the core of that starting group is the same even if you're maybe switching a Brandon Miller in for a Gordon Hayward or if you're having a Nick Richards step in for Mark Williams so that takes me to my first question here for you I need a midway mark of the preseason grade on the starting five how would you grade them in their play through two games I think a lot of that depends on who the starting five is. But at the same time, I, I would say at this point, you want to win preseason games, but that's not the end-all, be-all. Let's be honest. You're trying to figure out rotations and things of that nature. So I'm going to take the win-loss record out of the conversation for a moment. I love the momentum the team is playing with. When LaMelo's playing with pace, he's one of the elite point guards in all the NBA. If I had to give a grade right now for that starting unit, you have to go at least to B plus, And that's just me being stubborn because I'm fairly new, and I want to be able to give myself room to give them A's later in the season. But for right now, I think a B-plus for that starting unit simply because they're able to grab leads, hold on to leads when they're in there. It's just a matter of how is that second unit going to play. But B-plus, and mostly because it's like a dunk uh, it's like a dunk competition judge, you have the first guy up, you have to give room for somebody else if their dunk is better. So you can't give 50s right off the gate, right? You can't give 50s right off the bat. So I'm giving a B-plus to the starting unit because you like the continuity and the flow that they're playing with, their ability to get rid of the ball. Rozier had seven assists against the Wizards. First game, it was LaMelo, seven assists. So multiple playmakers, guys can make things happen. And with that size and that starting unit, I feel like they can really defend. Give me a B-plus. You got me second-guessing myself now because I was going to go A. I I think they have been very impressive against two division rivals. I know Miami didn't have Jimmy Butler out there, uh, but still, that that's, you know, for the most part, the defending Eastern Conference champions and what you would imagine would be a fairly normal rotation. Hornets starters... In the first game, everyone across the board was plus eight or better in the plus minus. Second game the other night against Washington, everyone was a plus five or better. But you've made me second guess myself, so I'm going to go A minus. I think A minus offensively, there's some things they could have done better. They could have shot the ball better, certainly from distance. But overall, just their, their ability to dominate play through two games now, that's a level of consistency that if we can get from the starting lineup in under normal expected minutes, not, you know, 15 in the case of LaMelo Ball the other day, or somewhere in the low 20s for most guys, put that up in the mid-30s, and I think you've got a really good chance at winning a lot of basketball games here for the Hornets. You know, you look at Ball, his first game was really loud. I, I think it was 17, 7, and 5, or something along those lines. I don't have them right in front of me. But in the second game against the Wizards, he only played 15 minutes and was a plus 17. That speaks volumes to me. Now, I know it's the Wizards. I know they're a bit of a rebuilding stage. But at the same time, what's been the question so far in his NBA career? Does he do winning things? Well, he's starting 
starting to change that course is starting in this preseason. So plus 17 in 15 minutes, in, in my mind, is significant because that means the ball's popping, the offense is flowing better. And to be honest with you, it also means that Lonzo, or excuse me, uh, LaMelo's defending at a higher rate. I'm getting Lonzo and LaMelo mixed up. That won't happen again, Sam. This, these are rookie mistakes. So bear with me, but I, I really like the direction and the manner in which he's playing in the preseason. I love it too, and particularly you look at both matchups, neither team has an all-star level point guard. They got starting quality NBA point guards, no question about it, but no one has an active all-star there. Kyle Lowry is on the, the back nine of his career, so to speak, and Tyus Jones is moving up into a starter's role, so you would want to see an all-star put up kind of all-star numbers or, or all-star plus-minus ratios, and we saw that from LaMelo Ball. Let's go to another group, the rookies. What do you think of the rookies through two games? Give me your grade at the midway point of preseason. You know what? I'm looking at Brandon Miller, and I really like some of the early flashes of what he's done. Now, they haven't been the loudest. Nine points, six boards. He had a thunderous slam in transition yesterday, but you saw glimpses of what he could be. But I want to urge Hornets fans to be a little bit patient as he finds his groove. He's not going to have these loud, obnoxious stat lines like some of the other rookies are. However, he projects to be one of the better scorers in the NBA over time. We've got to keep in mind, was he 20 years old? He's still a young man trying to figure out all these things and how to play alongside a superstar. So for Brandon Miller, I'm giving him a B. The other guy that's really intriguing to me, Nick Smith Jr., he played alongside Brandon Miller in AAU. They played for Brad, team Brad Beal Elite together at the Peach Jam. And Nick Smith was actually the guy, the go-to guy, the go-to scorer. I feel like he's shown some things. It's going to be a big adjustment for him. Yesterday, four turnovers. He's got to learn how to play the lead guard position a little better. I'm going a C- minus with him because I really think we're going to see better versions of him as the year goes on. Uh, Amari Bailey is a good athlete that thrives in transition. It's going to take him time as well. He's a young, underdeveloped player that's going to take a little time to move into a rotation. I think he's going to spend some time down in Greensboro, and I think that will benefit him greatly just to get those repetitions under his belt, playing a different style. And a lot of times people get impatient because they think that NBA is going is going to be a direct translation as far as production from college to the NBA. It's two com- completely separate games. But what I will say about Bailey is I feel like his game is going to translate to the NBA much better than it did to did for college because he's going to thrive in an up-tempo setting. He just has to learn to pick his spots. And I think when he spends some time down in the G League this year, I think it's going to greatly benefit him. Give me a C there simply because we don't know what to expect there. And we're going to see his best basketball in two, maybe three years. I think all those are fair. We're running out of time on this segment, so I'll skip to my final questions. And this is less of a grade and in terms of a letter grade and more of an up or down. Your expectations for the Hornets. I don't know what they were coming into the preseason, but where are they now? Are they higher in terms of what you think the projected win total or projected expectations in terms of finishing the standings than they were two games prior? Or are they even or are they lower? Coming into the season, I had them picked higher than most simply because I like the depth of the team initially. Now there's been some other issues that have evolved, and we're not going to get into that for obvious reasons, but I feel like it might be a little bit lower than what I originally anticipated. That all being said, I think this team has sneaky depth. I think Nick Richards is a quality backup five. He had four offensive rebounds in 19 minutes, ended up with 12 total. Like They have a lot of guys that contribute positive things, but they have to find more depth off the bench. Who's going to be that guy? Is Martin going to be able to come back from injury? Book Knight's out with a knee injury. Who's going to be that second unit stud that you need in order to keep the ship afloat when it goes down? 
or when it starts to sink, who can help you out with that second unit? Because of that, I would say a little bit lower. That all being said, if they stay healthy for the duration of the year, I like that 6-7-8, that play-in tournament type game for this Hornets team because I feel like the talent is there. Is it, how is it all going to come together throughout the course of 82 games? He's Terrence Oglesby, the new basketball analyst on the desk for Hornets Live all throughout the upcoming season. His debut is tonight as the Hornets will be taking on the Oklahoma City Thunder. We'll preview that game for you in a little bit. We'll get to know Terrence a little bit better after this quick break here on the Hornets Hivecast. Sam Farber, Terrence Oglesby here with you on the HHC. The Hornets Hivecast brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. We've got our new first-time guest. It's our new analyst on television. You'll see him on the desk with Ashley Shamity and working along with Eric Collins and Del Curry as they tip off their coverage tonight for Hornets versus Thunder. And you can follow him on social media at T underscore Oglesby. That's O-G-L-E-S-B-Y 22. Find him there on social media. And you might find him a familiar face if you've been a fan of college basketball. He's been seen on ESPN, Fox, Bally's, CBS. Uh, there's a network that covers or carries basketball. He has been on it at some point. It's a brief synopsis, but Terrence, tell us a, a little bit more about your background, how you landed here with the Hornets and your thoughts entering this season in this new role. You know what? I'm just, uh, I'm super excited. I've been in the, this media journey for about three years now. It's been short. It's been quick. It's been fun. And it's been difficult. To be honest with you, three years ago, I started doing play-by-play at Anderson University, a Division II school in South Carolina, for $20 a game and as many hot dogs as I could fit in my bag on the way home. And that's a true story. You can talk to, talk to Bert Epting, who's the AD down there at Anderson, Division II Anderson. It's been a lot of fun. It's uh, been a development. I'm still learning myself and how everything's going to play out. But gosh, I enjoy it. I've uh, been able to work with Fox. I've been able to work with ESPN. I've been able to work with CBS Sports Network, Bally. It's been it's been a thrill. It's been a great ride. This is a bit of a new venture for me doing some NBA stuff, but gosh, it's exciting because one, the Hornets are really exciting. And two, I always thought I was going to play in the NBA, but at 6'2", short arms and not able to switch, it really kind of uh, screwed me for lack of better terms, uh, if you know what I'm saying, Sam. So it kind of, I, I had a hard time switching defensively. And quite frankly, I didn't knock down shots when I needed to when I played in the G League. But all of that being said, I look forward to being a personality enjoying the game and helping the viewer understand a little bit more nuance about the NBA game. You know, everything happens so fast. And because I have so much experience, whether it's uh, playing in Europe for eight years or playing in the G League for one or being at Clemson, I know hoop and I want to make hoop fun for the common fan and sprinkle a little bit of extra for those diehards as well. It's It's been a fun journey. And Sam, I, I'm just... Uh, Sometimes I have to pinch myself just knowing I'm on the Hornets podcast with Sam. Well, we, we had the same dreams, or at least right up till there. I don't think you have to pinch yourself for that, but I pinch myself all the time entering into Spectrum Center, and it's just such a dream job. My dreams of playing in the NBA were killed a lot sooner than yours. You had a legit pro <laughs> basketball career. Uh, you started off in college at Clemson. started so, uh, elsewhere, but ended up at Clemson, uh, where you were a, a prolific three-point shooter and had a really strong career. And then you go and play in Europe. 
Europe. You played in Ukraine, Spain, Sweden. Tell us about that experience and how it compared to G League basketball, which is obviously the closest thing to the NBA that you played in. But you know how those experiences, the level of plays and players that you saw over there that you know we're seeing some of those guys come here stateside and have success, but it really is a challenge to find those exceptional players that are ready to make that jump because it is quite a jump. I'll compare a little bit to begin with between Europe and the G League. I think the biggest thing is in Europe the players are much more skilled. In the G League, they are other worlds more athletic. I think that's the biggest takeaway. And, you know, the NBA started out with a development league. I know it's the G League now, but it truly is a development league. And it's a lot like AAA. You know, there's a lot of guys that need refinement and what they're really good at. I, I take back, uh, I played against Tim Hardaway Jr., who in the G League didn't dominate, but he was really worried about doing his role the same way as he would do his role in the NBA. And now, He's benefiting greatly for it. My favorite quote about the G League is Caruso saying, well, they don't need superstars. They need janitors. I think that couldn't be better said. It's guys working on their craft at a certain area. But in Europe, I think the skill level is a little higher. Just the athleticism just pales to compare when it comes to the difference between the two. Now, you look at different leagues throughout Europe. Some are better than others. When I played in Spain, it was much better than when I was in France, for example. Uh, played in the Republic of Georgia. Played in the Ukraine. A lot of different things as far as learning the game of basketball, being able to go over situations and practice time and time and time again. Because whenever I was in Ukraine, for example, we would practice 10 to 12 every day. Didn't matter if it was day of the game, day before the game, and then it would be 5 to 7 at night every day. Day before the game, day after the game, it didn't matter. So the endless repetition is something where the skill really helps you out. And you see the development as far as a lot of these Serbian players, Jokic, uh, Jovic, who played it with Miami the other night. The skill is certainly there, and the skill is there simply because of the repetition that's given to these players at such a young age with the elongated hours that they're required to practice in order to be on the team. So I think that's one of the biggest takeaways for me, the difference between the games. But for the most part, I had great experiences in Europe. My G League experience was not as good as I would have hoped, but it's it's a really difficult gig because... There would be times where I would think I was going to play 25 minutes and then Russ Smith would show up at the airport, cheeseburger in hand, and he'd come in and he'd play 40 minutes, 30 minutes before tip-off. So, like, it was a lot of difficult things about the G League, but I'm endlessly appreciative about both that opportunity and the other seven years that I was in Europe. I was able to meet my wife. I have friends that I'll have for the, for the entirety of my life, and it plays a role significantly into how I view the game of basketball now. Love it. Let's talk about what you feel you're bringing to the broadcaster. You come from a, a different perspective. Obviously, your career uh, was in a different direction from the NBA, but a lot of basketball experience, and you've got a lot of TV experience as well. What can fans expect to see from you on a nightly basis? You know what? I'm going to bring the energy. I'm bringing the heat. I'm going to let Ashley set it up, and I'm going to do my best to follow up whatever she has to offer. I think she's fantastic, so I'm really excited to that. Uh, I'm never going to match the energy of Eric Collins, but I will bring energy. Let's not get ourselves confused here. You know what? I'm going to try to break the game down, make it fun for fans, keep the entertainment up because there's going to be a lot of entertaining play with the Hornets, and I'm just going to be somebody that enjoys the game and I think by watching how I present myself on screen, you can see my love and passion for the game of basketball. 
whether that be the NBA, whether that be college, but more specifically in this seat with Valley. My passion for showing the showing the consumer, showing the person watching the game of basketball at a higher level. And I'm just really excited to be a part of that. We are excited to have you, and uh, we're going to give you a sneak peek of what you can expect to see starting tonight. Hornets will take on the Oklahoma City Thunder. you got to do your real preview on the camera, but we'll let you get a, a preview of the preview for the fans here on the HHC after this quick break. Sam Farber, Terrence Oglesby, the new basketball analyst with Hornets Live. You can find him on social media at T underscore Oglesby. That's O-G-L-E-S-B-Y-2-2. I'm assuming you wore number 22? Yeah, I did. I I wore 22 at Clemson and then just pick a number when I was in Europe, whether it was 1, 2, 15, 14, whatever. But, But 22 was my college number. We'll keep it consistent with the Clemson number, and he will be consistently on your television all season long as the basketball analyst with Hornets Live alongside Ashley Shamity, Del Curry, and Eric Collins. Time for our game preview here on the podcast. For those tuned in who are not aware of how we usually run this, and for our new guest, here's what we're looking for. A player to watch from each team, as well as a statistic to watch. You are the guest. You get to pick the category you want to start off with, and I'll follow your lead. So where would you like to begin? A member of the Oklahoma City Thunder, a Charlotte Hornet, or a stat to watch? You know what? I'm going Thunder first, and I'm going Josh Giddy. Why 6'8", 216, pure point guard, a little bit slower than LaMelo. That point guard matchup's going to be really fun to watch for that first quarter. Those are my two guys to watch in this particular game, just simply because you have two dynamic young point guards in, in the NBA that people are going to come to love as the years come on. Giddy, not the most athletic guy, but just incredibly crafty. LaMelo, one of these guys that can just go on a roll, carry his team for about three and four minute stretches at a time. Is he going to take that next step now that he's got this big contract? I think those two right there, it's a heck of a matchup, like size, both six seven, six eight, and they do it in different manners, but two flashy big guards are the two I would like to watch coming into this game. I love it. My pick for the Thunder, I'm going to go with Jalen Williams. He snuck up the charts in terms of the Rookie of the Year status. He ends up making an all-rookie team, doesn't win Rookie of the Year. That, of course, went to Paolo Bancaro. But very impressive, consistent numbers. 14 points per game, 35% from three, played in 75 games, helped his team take a step that really they weren't expected to take because the premier rookie from that class, Chet Holmgren, was lost for the entire year. We'll get to see him a little bit later on here today. He's another one I'm excited to see. But in terms of players to watch, Jalen Williams, and specifically for me, because he should match up with Brandon Miller. And if the Hornets get exactly what the Thunder did out of Jalen Williams this year on the Hornets side from Brandon Miller, it's going to be a really good season. So that's my guy to watch for OKC. I think you alluded to it already, but we'll let you say it officially. Do you want to go Hornet to watch, or is there a stat to watch you want to mix in there? Oh, well, I think Hornet to watch is LaMelo Ball for all those time, for all those reasons that I mentioned earlier. Is he going to be able to take that next step? But in my mind, for Charlotte, I'm looking – the stat to watch has to be bench points. I think that's where – Ultimately, this Charlotte Hornets team, that's where their ceiling is going to be. What are they going to get off the bench as far as production is concerned? You know Nick Richards. You know some of these other guys. What are they going to do when Gordon Hayward comes back? Is Brandon Miller going to go back to the bench? Do you have a solidified score off the bench with Gordon Hayward? I don't think that's going to be the case. You're paying that man way too much money to bring him off the bench. But I'm really intrigued to see who that second unit stud is going to be. And how, like I said earlier, how can they keep this Hornets team afloat when that second unit comes in? The, the bench points, I think, are, are crucial coming in uh, to the last two games of the preseason. 
I like it. I'll go in a different direction. I'm going to say turnovers. I think that was maybe the biggest issue throughout the game the other day against Washington. Even when the Hornets were dominating minutes, they certainly dominated the glass. There were a lot of possessions just given away. And some turnovers you like because you're going in an aggressive manner and you're trying to make a play and and create something and create a mismatch and advantage. But others are just silly. And the Hornets had way too many of the latter, I think, for anyone's comfort level. So 23 turnovers in the loss to Washington. Wizards only had 15 on their end. I think that's a big part of the reason why they were anywhere near close enough to make up the gap in the final few minutes. And then even against Miami, even though there were fewer 16 turnovers, that's a lot, especially from the rookies. So I want to see turnovers cleaned up. Last but not least, you mentioned him before, Hornet to watch. I'm assuming you're going with LaMelo Ball. Got to be. It's got to be for all the reasons that we've talked about. I mean, just an electric playmaker, and I love the matchup. You also you don't just have Josh Giddy on one side of the floor. You also have Shy Gilgis Alexander, who's become one of the best players in the National Basketball Association. He's that good. He can score at will. Lamelo with that contract is now the guy that has to be an every night guy. You hope he stays healthy. Obviously, last year struggled with that, but at the same time, I mean, the talent is certainly there. Lamelo Ball. How he matches up now going into the season against two of the better guards in the NBA, I think, is something to watch. I like it. I'll go with the center. I'm going to go with Mark Williams. I think he has had two really really strong games. Game one against an all-star in Bam Adebayo for Miami. Bam played fewer minutes, but he was a minus nine when on the floor. Mark Williams a few more minutes. He was a plus 16. The numbers weren't eye-popping under a double-double, but limited minutes. You assume he would have gotten across that finish line had he played a normal 32 or so minutes in that contest. But nevertheless, I thought Mark Williams played right with an all-star level center who just got finished leading his team all the way to an Eastern Conference title. And then the other night against the Washington Wizards, Daniel Gafford's not as much of a household name, but he's a pretty solid center and a pretty good rebounder on most nights. He also got dominated. Gafford was a minus six in the plus minus. He only had five rebounds total. Mark Williams ends up with 11. He's a plus six on the night. So this is back-to-back performances where Mark Williams has been really good. Now you're taking on a different kind of center in Chet Holmgren. He's a rookie. He is a little bit more developed than he otherwise would have been because he had that whole year off coming into the NBA due to the injury. So a little bit more physically developed, but still, this is his kind of welcome to the NBA type of sequence coming up here. And I think this is another little breadcrumb as to how good really is Mark Williams. What can he do now against Chet Holmgren? Holmgren went head-to-head with Victor Wembanyama and looked pretty good. Uh, He's gone up against a couple of other very highly drafted experienced centers in Detroit. He's had good numbers. What will Mark Williams do against him? And and I love what you're saying about Mark Williams. I do think he's been good, but one thing – that Chet Holmgren and Bam Adebayo really provide is the ability to make plays in space. And, and how Mark Williams is able to guard in space, I think, is going to be crucial when playing against guys like that. Bam Adebayo, his plus-minus was minus nine, but he was four for six from the field and five for six from the free throw line. So he was able to dictate where he wanted to go. I, I'm curious to see how Mark Williams continues to develop that because I think he's a terrific rim protector. I think he does a pretty good job in ball screen defense. How can he guard in in open space is going to be huge whenever you're playing guards or playing forwards and centers like Bam and like Chet. I'm not saying it's going to be difficult for him because I think he can do it. 
but that's key to his development moving forward. One last thought here on this matchup we're about to see, Mark Williams versus Chet Holmgren. Even though Chet has had the much more impressive offensive numbers, he's gone 3 of 6 from 3, he's scored 18.5 points per game in under 20 minutes per contest, so those are fantastic. His starting group has not really dominated the minutes, though. All told, he's like a plus 4 over the two games, and I just got done telling you that Mark is a plus 22. So, Throw the stats out the window. If Mark Williams can make life difficult for Chet Holmgren and help the Hornets have another positive game, that's one more sign that things are headed in the right direction. Either way, pregame, halftime, postgame, it'll be covered on Bally Sports Southeast with the great Terrence Oglesby, the new addition to the Bally's crew and our new addition to our lineup of guests here on the Hornets Hivecast. Terrence, thanks for making your debut with us today. Thanks, Sam. Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to an exciting year. And looking forward to having you back throughout it. You're going to get sick of me before you know it. Don't you worry. Thanks, as <laughs> always, to our producer, Rob Lago, for putting this podcast together. Most of all, to all of you for tuning in. For everyone here, I'm Sam Farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you along. We hope to see you at Spectrum Center tonight, 5 o'clock tip-off against the Oklahoma City Thunder. And either way, we'll have you covered tomorrow with another edition of the Hornets Hivecast. Thank you for listening to the Hornets Hivecast. Brought to you by Senta, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. For more coverage, visit Hornets.com.